Let us pray. Our precious Father, we just want to thank you for the privilege we have again to study your word. We are grateful to you that you sent your spirit to lead us into all truth. We trust him to teach us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now we're talking about the things of the spirit, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. This should be part three or part four. Our text is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 1. I'm reading new YLT translation, Young Literal Translation. He brings out the real translation of this 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1. I checked it against other translations. He says, And concerning the spiritual things, brethren, I do not wish you to be ignorant. Concerning the activities of the Holy Spirit, I do not wish you to be ignorant. Now, in these last days, it is lack of wisdom for any Christian to waste his life in unprofitable works of darkness. The Holy Spirit said these works of darkness are totally unprofitable. And it's also lack of wisdom to engage in things of the flesh because it will profit you nothing. It will lead you to death. I will cut off fellowship with God. It will lead you to sorrow, lead you to loss, lead you to failure. And so it's not wisdom to anybody for to waste his time engaging in all of this. In these last days, we should engage in the profitable venture of developing our spirit life, which guarantees you immense benefits. In 1 Timothy 4, 8, it says, For physical training is of some value, useful for a little, but godliness, that is spiritual training, is useful and of value in everything and in every way. For it holds promise for this present life and also for the life which is to come. This saying is reliable and worthy of complete acceptance by everyone. This is what the Spirit of God is telling us that we should, you know how much we engage in physical exercise, we engage in physical training, we pay, we go to the gym, we walk out early in the morning, in the night. We do all of this so that we are physically, physically fit, so we can carry out physical responsibilities. Now, the Holy Spirit is saying there is a better one to also be spiritually fit. We need to spiritually train ourselves to develop spiritually. We just have to do that. And it's telling us that physical exercise will benefit you only in this world. But the spiritual exercise will benefit you in this world, in this present life, and the life which is to come. Good success, good success is to succeed now and to succeed after. Bad success is to succeed only now. And then after you're gone, everything is just not success no more. So it's important for a Christian to make up his mind. To stop spending your time in leisure at the expense of your spiritual development because you are going to lose 
quite a lot. Therefore, concerning the things of the Spirit, we must understand all of it because the Spirit of God says doesn't want the Christian ignorant of these things. And these are the days of the Holy Spirit on earth doing his work because Jesus is finished and gone. So we must understand what the Holy Spirit is doing because if we are ignorant, we fall prey of deceit. And then the scripture says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now you've got to listen so you understand these things of the Holy Spirit that is doing in the church and doing through you and doing through me. Now, the gift of the Spirit. We must understand, there are some things I want to point out that we must understand concerning the gifts of the Spirit. Number one, these manifestations are not under any man's control. You can't switch them on and off. If you see anybody who says he switches it on and off, pack your things and leave them. Immediately, because demons can also mimic these things. And he does counterfeit miracles too. So you've got to be careful in this last days. It is not men that operate this. It is the Holy Spirit using a vessel to do supernatural things. So it's not at the whims and caprices of a man. It's not what you have the privilege of choosing when and how. Only the Holy Spirit who manifests to you chooses when and how and with whom he does what he wants to do. Again, the indwelling spirit, the spirit of Christ that is with us, the power that worketh in us, is for life. It's to produce the fruits of the spirit. It's to produce. Jesus said that the things we do comes from within from within the man, from the heart comes all the issues of life. So it's not coming from outside. So the spirit of Christ in us, the spirit of God in us, is like the sap that flows, the life of Christ that flows through our life as branch and produces the fruit. The fruit of a tree comes from within. It doesn't come from outside. The sap that flows is what makes the branch bear this fruit. The same with us. Do not confuse this thing. Do not. If you confuse it, you will stop yourself from benefiting because you are not walking in the light of it. But the Spirit upon us at the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for service. It's for service. It's not to make you a better Christian, it's for service. Is to so that the Spirit of God can use it to produce proof that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Is to be witnesses for Him. Is to produce evidence of the living Christ. The church's commission is to preach the gospel. It's not just to talk and go. It's to preach the gospel and then demonstrate the kingdom. Demonstrate the kingdom. Not just in words, but in power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit that comes upon us helps us to preach it and then uses us to demonstrate the reality of the risen Christ. The reality of Jesus that has risen from the grave and is alive today. 
The church should present a living God, not a story God, a living God, a living God that practically heals, practically delivers, practically provides, a living God that people can relate with. That's what the church should be doing, not just words only. The kingdom of God is not just in words. No, it's in power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. So the reality of the kingdom of God is brought to, the, to, uh, to people. So they see the love of it, the power of it, the glory of it, and they embrace it. That's what Jesus really did when he came here. So the anointing upon him with which he did that, said the Spirit of God has anointed me to now do this work of this kingdom. It's this anointing that comes upon us so that we do the work of the kingdom that like he did, preach the gospel, raise the dead, heal the sick, And it's for all believers. It's for all believers and the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we're all witnesses. All of us. So as we study, you're going to see how the Holy Spirit uses you in the area he's gifted you. And if we don't recognize these things, we will not cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And then what he wants to use you to do will not happen. And so it will not be a ble- as much a blessing as we should have been in the kingdom of God. Now, there are two ways that God operates. Number one is through the Word of God. That's the primary way. Primary way that God operates today is through His Word. Number two is through His Spirit in direct action, regardless of your faith. Regardless of what you know, you don't know. This is what we are studying now. It's called the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Not the manifestations of the Word of God. It's the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. God acts two ways. First, by His Word. He created the earth by His Word. Now He acts by direct act of His Spirit regardless of whether you have faith or don't have faith. But having said that, I need to remind us that this direct act of the Spirit of God is not the regular, normal way that God deals with man. It's not the regular, normal way he deals with you individually and deals with people. The regular way that God works is by his word by his word, by his word. When he wanted to save man, the word became flesh, became flesh, became flesh. So the way that God gave to the church through which he deals with us is by faith in his word. In Hebrew 1, 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things, listen to that, upholding all things by the word of his power. The word of his power. The word of God is his power in word form. The word of his power. And the word will do anything that God will do, darling. The word of his power. 
It's not the word of less power or half power of his power. So the, the, the word is what God wants us to live by so we mature and grow as Christians. And the word is through which our blessings come because the scripture says that we receive our inheritance through the word of his grace. Through the word of his grace. And let us not forget that the word of God builds our faith, and we should grow in faith. Grow in faith, grow in love. We grow in faith and grow in love. And the scripture says, the just shall live by his faith. The just does not live by the miracles. The just does not live by the manifestations of miracles and things like this. We live by faith, and faith comes by the word of God. The word of God is what feeds your spirit. It's what you, you eat, not physically eat it. You don't eat it physically. Jesus said that your fathers ate the manna physically. But here is another manna. You don't eat physically. He said, the life I give is my life that I am giving to, for you. The sacrifice on the cross, which you believe. You believe. You believe. And it comes. It begins to manifest. So the word is what gives faith, it produces faith. The word is active, it's spirit, it's sharper than two edged sword. It's, 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 it, and the Bible says we have to deal with, with the word. So the word builds faith, and the Bible says now, all things are possible for those who believe. All things are possible. So every need can be made through faith, all of it. And so God wants us to live by the word because the word reveals God to us. The word makes us grow and become mature Christians. The word makes us live the spirit life. The word makes us really, really become spiritual adults and be able to disciple people. The word is very, very crucial in our dealing with God. So we cannot place the manifestations of the Holy Spirit above the word. For God himself exalted his word above his name. God exalted his word above his name, above his authority, above his power. He exalted his word above his own name. He, he did that. So the word comes first. The word is primary. You can't neglect the word in pursuit of miracles. Then you are changing God's order. You are not exalting the word above his name. By his name, miracles happen. But God is exalting his word above his name. And a good Christian shouldn't exalt anything else above the word of God. So the word of God is the primary way that God will deal with you and deal with me. You might as well give, give yourself to studying it. The Bible said we should study it so we're not ashamed. You study it, you, you, you know how to pray properly according to the word. Jesus said, if my word dwell in you, if my word dwell in you, they can ask whatever. And the word purifies you. The word purifies you. So what we're trying to emphasize is that we don't get carried away by the supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit at the expense of studying your word and still walking by faith and still getting the same result. Actually, as a matter of fact, if a church, if a church is preaching the truth, I want you to listen to this. If a church is preaching the truth, preaching Christ crucified and people are getting it, you may not see too much manifestations of the Holy Spirit solving their problem because they will get it by their faith. They will get it by their faith. They are not babies. They'll be able to go get their blessings by their faith because they know they are heirs of God. 
they join, they call hands with Christ. They get their healing. They get their victory. They fight spiritual battles. They know how to take their stand. They know how to pray. They connect with God. They're in fellowship with God. So that the, the, the gift of the Spirit is not really the means through which such a church, such people, get their relations with God going. It may manifest, but that's not, you won't see a lot of those testimonies about pastor pray for me. And the, you, know, you see a lot of testimonies. They say, I stood here. I prayed here. I spoke the word here. And they, that's a church that produces mature Christians that are not babies who are dependent on people. Now, having said that, however, the gift of the Spirit can manifest in a church as the Holy Spirit uh, chooses. Again, to remind us, is to be able to present the fullness of the kingdom of God to the world. The, Spirit, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit is not a, it's not for, for a joking matter. It's to present the fullness of the kingdom of God to the world. The power thereof, the glory in it, the mercy in it, the grace in it, the lordship of Jesus Christ over all these things, that's what it's all about. Jesus said, the Spirit will take off mine and show it to you. And it's to advance the purpose of God's kingdom on earth to fulfill God's plan for a person, for a people, for a nation in advancing God's purpose for them. Either to protect them, to heal them, deliver them, like in, the time, like in that of uh, uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel, to deliver them, to fulfill God's purpose. It is not to promote a man the Holy Spirit does not promote a man. The Holy Spirit does not promote a church. The Holy Spirit does not promote a group of people. He promotes only one person, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to whom belongs all glory and honor and adoration forever and ever. And the Bible says we, we can only make our boast in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is not here to promote a man. No. No, he's not here to promote a group. No, no, no. He's here to promote Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He's the only one that is here to point everybody to and to teach the church also about the cross and what he achieved for us on the cross. And then he, he manifests these things to defy believers, build us up, and to Again, solve our problems. If he chooses to do it that way. Now, you do not own these gifts. So it's not your property. You don't own them. Nobody owns them. Psalm 62 verse 11. God has spoken once. Twice have I heard it. That power belongs unto God. It's God's property. God just comes to use us. So it's not, it's not resident in you. It's not a resident gift that lives in you. Like Christ lives in you. No. This one comes upon you and goes. So power belongs to God. Power belongs to God. Nobody owns God's power. Power is God's prerogative. All right? So, and then again, do not imitate what God is using somebody to do. You might be carried away by the move of God in somebody and you want to go and imitate it. You fail woefully because God hasn't chosen to use you to do that. Now, let's go to the manifestations of the Holy Spirit or the acts of the Holy Spirit, or the gifts of the Holy Spirit, concerning acts of the Holy Spirit. Let's read 1 Corinthians 12, from verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I will not have you ignorant. Verse 2. 
you know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were laid. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accost, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, the same Holy Spirit does them. Verse 5. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God who worketh in all in all seven. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man, every man, to profit with all. For to one now is given the Spirit by the Spirit, the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, by the same Spirit to another faith, by the same Spirit to another the gift of healing, by the same Spirit ten, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these work it that one and same self spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills, as he wills, he will divide, he will use, he will give. Every man has a gift that God uses him to do, as the Spirit wills, verse 12. For as the body is one and had many members, and all members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Now, there are three, three groups of three gifts in each group that tells you what they do. There are nine of them. So those nine of them, we divide them into three groups, and each group has three in them that does the same thing. Not exactly the same thing, but manifest in the same way. For instance, there is the power gift. They do things. Where the Holy Spirit uses you to do things, to make supernatural things happen. Now, these are supernatural things. They have nothing to do with natural intelligence, natural training, natural faculty, nothing. It's just exclusively what the Holy Spirit is in. So there is a power gift, the group of them that operates to do something. Then there's the inspirational or revelation gift that reveals things not naturally seen. Not naturally seen. This, when we study, you are going to see that you can get guidance of the Holy Spirit through this type of uh, revelation too. But like we said, there's not the normal way he will guide you. But sometimes he will, you, he will manifest through this to give you guidance in life. Now, there is the verbal or utterance gifts that makes you talk while you talk. So now let's look at them. There are, um, this, there are four of them. The, I mean, there are three of them. So now let's look at, at them in First Corinthians 12, 11. See what it says. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, as we study, I want you to identify the one you notice work in your life. Maybe you have not cooperated. It hasn't been so often. So now you know that you begin to cooperate with it as it comes upon you to use you to do those things and you develop in those giftings. Now, the power gifts. We are looking at the power gifts. First Corinthians 12, 9, 9. To another faith by the same spirit, to another the gift of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles. These three constitute the power gifts where the spirit of God uses you to do something, to do. The other one is he gives you revelation, you see. The other one, he give, makes you talk. 
makes you talk in prophecy. You talk. In prophecy, you don't do. You talk. And in other revelations of, you know, what, what the sign of spirit, you see. You see into the spirit world. But in this particular one, it makes you do something. So now, gift the faith, gift of healing, and working of miracles. They are the power gifts. They are the power gifts. Now, let's start with the gift of faith. This is not your normal faith you have that comes by hearing the word of God. This is faith that the Holy Spirit impacts. So as you do something beyond your normal level of faith. But when the anointing leaves, you, you fall back to being normal, being yourself. Remember Elijah, when Elijah was, you know, under the anointing of God, he, was, he, he took out the prophets of Baal and everything, and the anointing lifted, he started running away. He became normal again. He started running. But under that anointing that came upon him to do those supernatural things, those unusual things, it was the Spirit of God that was using him to challenge and judge that bow and to bring his people back to him. But when the anointing lifted, they started running for his life. So these things come on you and they use you, and when it goes away, you just become normal again. You can't operate them again because you don't operate them all the time. They just become normal again. So it's not, it's this gift of faith is not something that comes from you have studied the word and then you have the faith. No, 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 no. It brings an inward calm in the, in the face of danger or any challenges and makes you act with faith that is not natural at all. Faith beyond your level of faith. Now, I, I, I can say that a lot of people that exercise the gift of faith are like missionaries, apostles who are church planters, they, 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 like Paul, you know, people who engage, who face danger, people who really face danger. They're the people that I think, I believe that, you know, operate this uh, gift of faith quite a bit because they, are, they have they face challenges, their lives are in danger and everything. And so they operate this level of faith that's beyond the normal thing. Again, I don't have scripture for this. I don't have any verse and chapter for this. But I'm just saying that I believe, looking at the life of Paul, looking at the life of the disciples, that this gift of faith operates in people, really, that also are in what I call frontline workers in the kingdom, who open new grounds, who are in danger, and who face challenges that are extraordinary. God uses them in this gift of faith. Again, they're not the only ones. They're not the only ones. People in the church can also experience the gift of faith, and the Holy Spirit can use them in the gift of faith. So they are not the only ones that say manifest this thing with. Now let's see an example of the gift of faith manifesting. Remember we said that all these gifts manifested in the Old Testament except the gift of tongues and interpretation. And we said that because their spirit was not alive, so they couldn't speak in tongues. Uh, they were not born again. So, but this spirit upon used them. Used them in these areas that we're talking about. Now, let's see the manifestation of gift of faith in Daniel 3.10. Thou, O king, has... Daniel 3, verse 10. Thou, O king, has made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackboard, sultry, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image, and whoso falleth not down, worship it that... Whoso falleth not down and worship it, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. 
There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee, they serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then he brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true? Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not you serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? 15. Now, if you be ready that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackboard, sultry, docema, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. I want you to see the gift of faith in oppression. Listen to this. They said, uh, they said in verse 16, in verse 16, Sir Meshach and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will never, will not serve thy God, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heed the furnace furnace one seven times more than it was, it was wont to be heated. And he commanded that most mighty men that, they were, in, that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their horses, their hats, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commanded was urgent, and the furnace exceedingly hot. The flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, rose up in a haste, and spake and said unto his counselors, Did, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Look, I see four men loose. I'm seeing four people here walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no heart, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, comfort and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire, and the princesses, the princess, governors, and captains, the kings, counselors, being gathered together, saw this man, upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was, or was an hair of their head, since neither 
where their coats changed. Now the smell of fire had passed on them. 28, then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has set his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, language, which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. This is manifestation of the gift of faith. You don't face this kind of fearfulness because you study the Bible. Go buckle. But like I said, from my own studying and observation, I see that most people who operate this gift of faith are people who are in the front line of taking the kingdom of God to, to hidden world, preaching it. So they, they face challenges that are extraordinary, like in this situation. And the result is that they saw the manifestation of the kingdom of God demonstrated. The whole nation turned to God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's the purpose of this, to be witnesses, to be proof producers. It's not to produce, promote a man or a church or something. No. It's to produce proof, to present the kingdom of God in a visible manner that the world will see it and know that, wow, this is real. This is true. This singular demonstration is more powerful than so many sermons preached. It was a singular demonstration of the reality of the kingdom of God. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God, appeared there. He said, this is like the Son of God. Well, about that time, nobody knew about Jesus, but he said, whoa, this one looks like the Son of God. So you can see what this gift of faith can do. Can do is to, is, to, is, to, is to fulfill the purpose of God in presenting the kingdom in a very visible, definite manner that people will see the glory of that kingdom and turn to Christ and come to God. Again, like I said, it's not only for this that you can have the, that gift of faith operating in your life to bring also glory to Jesus. In some other places, you are gift of faith in, in you can have gift of faith in healing. And lay your hand on somebody, on something that ordinarily you will not try. You put your hand on that person, you get healed. What happens? The same thing here. People come to Christ. People come to Christ. Now, <clears throat> let's go to the gift of walking of miracles. Again, you can't say, see what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do. Let me go and do it. The fire will burn you. It will burn you. You die. You will die. Because you, are not, you don't operate this gift. He chooses whom he will use. People have done it. And they, they, somebody said, oh, Jesus walked on water. So let's walk on water by faith. They went and got drowned. So we don't try things like that. Now, gift of walking of miracles. Now, what is a miracle? Miracle is supernatural intervention of God in ordinary course of nature. That's what my, how my, my, my mentor said it. But Dishon said it's an event not explicable by nature or science, and therefore considered to be a divine agency, something you can't explain by nature, you can't explain it by science, by any means. So it has to be God that does it. It's a supernatural intervention of God in the ordinary course of nature. And so uh, let's see example here. And then you remember that Moses performed a lot of miracles with in, the, in, in the land of Egypt, a lot of miracles. 
You couldn't put that to any, any natural thing. Like I said, these are not things that you can trace to any intelligence of man, any training a man has, whatever. It's something that's totally independent of man that God does. Moses did incredible miracles in the land of Egypt. And that was what convinced Pharaoh to let them go. That's the purpose of these gifts, to present the kingdom so that the heathens will know there's a God in, on, on earth and God in heaven that is operating in the affairs of men. Now look at Acts 27. On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them. And since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking on, until midnight. Man, talk of service. Paul preached until midnight. We haven't even preached until 5 p.m. And, and you won't stay. You want to go and eat pizza. Paul preached until midnight. Midnight. Verse 8. The upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps. As Paul spoke on and on, on and on, a young man named Eutychus, sitting on the window still, windowsill, became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. He died. Now, this is the gift of faith and oppression. And Paul went down, bent over him. I mean, so this is the working of miracle and of faith. And Paul went down, bent over him, took him into his arms. Don't worry, he said, he's alive. Then they all went back upstairs, shared in the Lord's Supper and ate together. Paul continued talking to them until dawn, morning, and then he left. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home on hot. Everyone was greatly relieved. That, this is working of miracle. You know, sometimes... Two gifts can operate at the same time. Gift of faith and working of miracle can operate at the same time. They can operate at the same time. Two gifts can operate on you at the same time. So, but this is a miracle that Paul went and did to raise the dead man. The Bible says he fell and died. He was dead. He was dead. But Paul went and prayed over him. Said, don't worry. That uh, everything, he bent over him, took him by his arms. Said, don't worry. He said, he's alive. He didn't even pray. He didn't pray. Look at verse 10. Paul went down, bent over him, took him into his arms. Don't worry, he said, he's alive. Then all went back upstairs. He didn't pray. He just went and took him by the arm, pulled him up, and said, he's alive. That's a miracle, man. This man died. He fell down. The Bible said, to his death below, he died. This is a working of miracle. And again, it can also say that this is a combination of working on miracle and gift of faith, working at the same time. Now you can see other examples in the feeding of 5,000. You can't explain how this small fish and bread can feed these 5,000. Again, you, you can have this anointing come upon you, but because we don't know them, we, we, we resist them. We don't yield to them. God can use you. And if you check your life, there have been times that God started moving you to do something, to touch somebody, to do something, but you, are, you didn't yield to it. You allow fear to stop God. You didn't yield to it, but you didn't know God was pull, pulling you and tugging you to, to use you to demonstrate his glory so that people would believe that Jesus is Lord. Now, there's the gift of healing. Gift of healing. Remember, we're talking about the power gifts. Power gifts of faith, working of miracle, and the gift of healing. Note the word, the gifts of healings. 
the gifts of healing. First Corinthians 12, 28. And God has said some in the church. You see, it's God that said, they said people in the church. First apostles, secondly, prophets, thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings. In that verse, you can see that in verse 28, gifts of healings, plural, gifts. The healings, plural. Helps, governments, diversity of tongues. In the gifts of the Spirit, only healing and tongues have plurality that describe them. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, the nine of them, only gifts of healing and diversity of tongues have plurality that uh, describes them. So the Holy Spirit is talking about the gifts of healings, not the gift of healing, no one, the gifts of healings. And we'll see examples as we go on. Now, definition. What is the gift of healing is supernatural manifestation of healing of sickness and disease without any natural source or means beyond the natural faith, means the thing that's beyond the natural faith of any person. This has nothing to do with medical science or any art of man of man or learning. It is a direct act of healing done by the Holy Spirit without any act of faith on the part of, of anybody at all. So it's a direct act of the Holy Spirit that brings healing. But it also operates when you lay hands on somebody, on the sick, when you speak the word, when you anoint the toil, those operations can take place through this means that the Holy Spirit has prescribed that the church can use to bring healing to people. When you lay hands on people, the gifts of healing can operate. When you speak the word, the gifts of healing can operate. When you uh, anoint people with oil, the gifts of healing can operate, which is totally out of your level of faith that you know this is not what my faith can uh, uh, handle. Now, let's see, let's see the difference between healing by faith in the world and healing by the gift of healings. And then, as we study, we are going to see why it is plural, why it is the gifts of healings. Now, Mark 5, 25. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and has suffered many things of many physicians, and has spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew was 27. When she had heard of Jesus, you see, she had the word. She had the word about Jesus. That word built faith. When she heard about Jesus, came in the praise behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. 29. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body, that she was healed of that plague 30. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him or power, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, thou seest the multitude trudging thee, says thou who touched me. And he looked around about to see how that had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what, has, what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, listen to this, verse 34. He said unto her, daughter, thy faith, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. So here is her faith because she heard about Jesus. It was her faith that brought this healing. Now let's see where the gift of healing manifests with her faith. Now John 5, 5. John 5, 5. And a certain man was there 
which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. Six. When Jesus saw him lie, I knew that he had been now a long time in that case. He said unto him, Will that be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled, to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, another step before, down before me. Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Verse 9. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same, on, on the same day, the same day was Sabbath. See, <laughs> Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? He said, I don't have anybody to help me. That uh, before I get there, when the water is troubled, people go before me. And Jesus said, just take your bed and go home. Take your bed and go home. And now you want to see that this is not his faith. This is, this is simple intervention of the power of the Spirit of God. Without faith. This not, has nothing to do with faith. And look at this, uh, John, John, 5 verse, uh, John 5 verse 11. John 5 verse 11. Now, this is the man. But he replied, The man who healed me told me, Pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that? They demanded. The man didn't know. Didn't know who healed him. He didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. So this is not his faith in Jesus. He didn't even know. Verse 14. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well. So stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. Now listen, Jesus didn't say your faith made you whole. He said, now you've been healed. It's not, he didn't say your faith. And then the man after, I even went to tell them, I found the man that healed me. Since you people are looking for him, because he healed him on the Sabbath, the man was still afraid. I went to tell them, I know, I know the person that did this. If you want him, I will show him to you people. I know the person. So he, he, he didn't know Jesus. He didn't know nothing. So this was the act of, of a gift of healing in manifestation. No faith, nothing. Absolutely nothing. That's the difference now. You can see this one. She had the world believed in the world and acted on herself and got healed. In this one, she acted, he acted nothing. Nothing. She did absolutely nothing. Nothing. He didn't do anything. All they told him is take your bed, bed and go home. And then the man was instantly healed by the oppression of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's see why the Spirit of God says it is the gifts of healings. The gifts of healings. In Acts 8.5, in the ministry of Philip, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Verse 6. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Verse 7. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. So you see, in this, can you give me verse uh, 7 in any other translation, maybe New Living Translation, if you have it, if it's possible, if you have it. If you don't have it, we can go on. Verse 8, New Living Translation, if you have it there. I mean, verse 7, not verse 8. Okay, verse 7. Many evil spirits were cast out, 
screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. Many who were paralyzed or, or lame were healed. Now see, in the ministry of Philip, we didn't see any blind person healed. There was nothing like blind. What happened was mainly paralyzed people. Mainly paralyzed people. So it is gifts of healings because you could be gifted in bringing healing to blind people. But they, they bring a paralyzed person, you will not, that will not work because that's not your gifting. So the, the Holy Spirit said gifts of healings. Gifts of healings. So somebody can have great success with cancer, but won't have great success with other types of manifestation. Gifts of healings. Plural. Gifts of healings. No one man has all the gifts of healings. No one man. Gifts of healings. Giving to the body. Gifts of healings. Giving to the body. Somebody might have great success with paralyzed people, but may not have great success with uh, malaria. Gifts of healings distributed to the body as the spirit wills. But now, when the body is operating in full, when the church is operating in full, all that gift is available there. Because everybody has his own part. That's what it says. That as the body is, is, uh, the body is uh, many parts, that we are one. So this part is doing this, the eye is doing this, the leg is doing this. So different giftings. If the church is operating in knowledge of the truth and in the fullness of the spirit, all these gifts will manifest in the body of Christ. Because we are the full body of Christ. Gifts of healings. Gifts of healings. You might have great success with blind people. Maybe you have great success with, um, with arthritis. They call it arthritis or whatever. But you may not have great success with other types of sicknesses. So it's healings, gifts of healings that come to us in the body of Christ. No one man can heal every type of sickness. No. People have gifts of healings. I want to, I want to point out to what happened in that uh, Acts chapter 8 that we read about Philip in verse 9 concerning, concerning the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, verse 10, to whom, all, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God, verse 11. And to him they had regard because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. You see, you need to be careful. I'm warning people, there are, there are false miracles. This one bewitched them. They said it is the power of God. Because if he wasn't having success, they would not believe him. Then verse 11. And to him they all regard, they, 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 to him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. 12. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ. Church, let me divert a little bit. I want you to know that the scripture says that we must believe, we must believe the love of God and the name of Jesus Christ. 
He wrote it to the church. There's something about the name. Believe in the name. You are saved. But the Bible says you must believe in the love of God. And it's a commandment and the name of Jesus. Now see what these people were preaching. The name of Jesus. Verse, verse 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Verse 13. Then Simon himself believed also when he was baptized. He continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. 14. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was not yet fallen on them. You see, they had received Christ. They have been baptized. They have received Jesus Christ. Then the next thing was now to pray for them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's the process. You don't pray for somebody who doesn't have Christ to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So when they came, they heard that they received the word. They believed in it. Remember that the Jews beat them and said, we don't want you to preach in this name, in this name anymore. The name of Jesus is so powerful. It's central to what we preach. Preach Christ crucified. Preach Christ crucified. Don't preach stories. Preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Who he is. Who he is. That's what we preach. So because they now believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, they now came, prayed for them, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the process. So that a church must understand that as soon as people have received the Lord Jesus Christ, the next thing is for them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's immediate because this happened after these people got saved. The next stage was for them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is crucial. This is important because we are living in the days and age in which Christianity is not going to be very, very popular. So you need the, the, the anointing of God on you to also be a proof producer of the kingdom of God, of the kingdom of God, to get into the workforce, preaching the gospel. The world is becoming so doubtful of, of, of Christianity, so skeptical that so many Christians are backsliding gradually. Gradually, but the thing that wake them up is the activities of the Holy Spirit. It's, and you should be a candidate, and I should be a candidate. Now, on Thursday, or next week, Thursday, by the grace of God, if we, if we have the opportunity, we go on to the other gifts, the vocal gifts, diverse tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. That would be very interesting because you need to hear a lot about diverse tongues. There's a lot of confusion people are causing about speaking in tongues in church. We're going to talk about all of that and see from scripture that you should, you should pray in the spirit in church. There's no scripture that says you shouldn't do that. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Precious Father, we just want to thank you for you really, really are equipping us so that we be a church that you are using maximally, a church that is bringing proof that Jesus Christ has risen. In these days and time, you have, never, you have never planned for your church to be just a place of talk. You plan for your church to be a place of demonstration of the risen Christ, a demonstration of the kingdom of God that will challenge the skeptics and they know that of a truth that Jesus is the Lord over sickness, over everything. And then the anointing of your spirit and pronounce is what helps us do this. 
And Father, we're so grateful that you are bringing this to us. I pray that you touch the heart of your people to be very interested in being used of God to be proof producers to their communities, to their friends, to their jobs, that Jesus Christ is Lord, so that people will come to him, so that souls will be saved. Thank you, precious Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.